The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Somewhere out in the ocean, a cruise ship moves slowly through the water, unmanned except for hundreds and hundreds of rats. And then we travel to Black River Falls in Wisconsin. Today it's a normal town, pleasant to the eye, but for 20 years, at the turn of the 20th century, rumors of satanic worship and demons led people to do unspeakable things. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. we got a lot of stuff to talk about, so we're just going to jump right into it. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump into the first story here. So, we are on a beach. We're on a beach somewhere near your hometown. Assuming you don't live in the desert, you're like, oh man, I wish I had water near me. We're at a beach. We're standing there with binoculars looking out at the ocean. And you're like, Jason, why are we looking at the ocean? There's so many better things we could be doing. And I'm like, well, there's a reason for this whole setup. There's a reason for this. I throw my arm over your shoulder. I'm like, look out there. I point out into the ocean. I point out. I'm like, look over there. Look over there. And while you're looking over there, I'm going to whisper in your ear the story of the MV Louis Bove Orlova. Louis Bove Orlova. You put the binoculars down. You're like, you don't know how to pronounce any of this, do you? And I was like, no, 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 I don't, I don't. But I know the story. Put the binoculars back up and let's gaze back out of the ocean. Seagulls, ah, 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 flying by. So the boat, we'll, we'll call it the Orlova because I know how to say that part at least. So the Orlova was this big giant cruise ship that was built to withstand like icebergs and stuff, which is pretty good considering stuff that's happened in the past. It was made by the Russians and they said, we're going to build this cruise ship and it's specifically to like take cruises around Antarctica. So you could go, I don't know whether it would be to see out there, you just go near Antarctica, you see a bunch of penguins and you leave. And so it goes around Antarctica and so it had to be built like super sturdy, more sturdy than like say a carnival or like a Disney cruise ship. I don't actually know if that's true. I'm just assuming it's sturdy or built. Because I don't think normal cruise ships can take an iceberg. This one was built to, to go around Antarctica. But it did end up running aground on a place called... I keep wanting to call it Decepticon Island, which would be cool. But it, it went aground on this island by Antarctica called Deception Island. And it's actually called Deception Island because it's not an island. It is a volcano. It's like a caldera. So it's like you think it's an island, and then you get on shore, and you realize you're st- it's an active volcano, too. It, a bunch of nerds were there doing science stuff a while back. They put up all their outposts, all those nerds put all their stuff up on Deception Island. And then there was a massive earthquake, and it destroyed all their research stations, which is hilarious when even, like, nature is picking on nerds. They're like, get out of here. Now it's basically a tourist stop, and I think the Swedes have something there. But anyways, it ran aground on Deception Island, and that was kind of the start of its bad luck. The Orlova, though, was able to get pulled off the island and and started going around. But by the year 2010 showed up, all that stuff happened, like, in the early 2000s. In the year 2010, the boat ends up sitting at uh, St. John's, which is in Newfoundland, Canada. 
through a series of mishaps and business deals falling through and stuff like that, a bunch of money was owed on the boat. And eventually the city of St. John, it had been sitting there for two years. It was just sitting in the harbor. So the city says, we're just going to sell the ship because no one's ever going to pay all these fees that are on it. We're going to sell the ship to someone else so they can take it out and they can scrap it. We just want it out of our harbor. Now, boats have a rat problem. There are certain things you can do to prevent rats from coming onto your boat, but not for two years. Like, eventually rats, are they're not the smartest thing, but they're also not the dumbest thing. Eventually, they're going to find a way to get on the boat. It was a cruise ship, and they were preparing to do a cruise. So any amount of food on the ship, and there would have been, I'm not going to say the thing had like an all-you-can-eat buffet, but it did have food supplies on the ship. Rats would become drawn to it, and they would start eating it, and more importantly, banging each other and having rat babies. So this rat-infested ship is sitting at the harbor, and finally they're like, let's just pay someone to get rid of it. So the rats are just hanging out, you know, they're wearing their little, like, tuxes and stuff, and then you have the rats in steerage that are dressed in, like, rags, and they're like, oh, wonder if I'll find true love in the upper decks. And the boat starts getting pulled away from the harbor, and they're like, ah... And as the tugboat is pulling it away from the harbor, the tow line breaks. So now the cruise ship is just floating around by itself. They had to hire another company to come out, start towing it farther out to sea. Because at this point, it was like floating around oil derricks. And they're like, this thing's going to cause a huge catastrophe. It's an unmanned cruise ship just floating around Canada. But the boat is headed towards, I think, Jamaica, where they're going to scrap it. And what happened was the people who got hired to tow it, they finally towed it far enough out to sea. And they just said, let's just cut the line. Just cut the line, dude. We're not going to take this thing all to Jamaica. We'll just cut the line, and it'll eventually sink. So, I don't think they actually had a guy out there with a knife cutting this rope. But And the rats are watching. They're like, no, don't cut the line. Don't cut the line. And dude cuts the line, and the boat starts kind of... And then it just kind of starts sailing away. Now, what's funny is that they really shouldn't have done that. They said it wasn't safe to take it all the way to Jamaica. But nobody knows where the boat went. People thought that it was going to end up in Ireland. Some people thought it was going to end up in Iceland. But this cruise ship is just cruising around. And the whole time, in the pitch darkness of that ship, just rats. Just crawling all over each other, eating the food, and just breeding and breeding and breeding. But what would happen is all the food would run out eventually. Rats would start to check out each other. That people in steerage look awfully yummy. And the steerage people are like, there's more of us than there are of you. 99%. And they would start eating each other. Which you eat a couple rats and then you're like, oh, my belly's full. It's time to have sex. And then you have more of your baby rats and then you start eating rats. As of today, nobody knows what happened to the boat. Some people say it's already sunk. There was an alarm that went off. This Irish station picked up an alarm that only goes off if the boat's taking on water. People don't know. Some people have said because the boat was built to withstand, it was like basically an icebreaker cruise ship, it would last quite a while. There may be a cruise ship floating around out there full of rats, just clawing their way through the darkness, because it would be pitch black. They wouldn't even be able to see each other. There would just be so many of them, they would just crawl over each other. They would know there was another rat there through scent. Or they would feel those little rat hands crawl across their back. Just sailing out there still in the ocean today. A true ghost ship full of cannibal rats. So the boat may still be out there. And at any moment, it may crash into a shoreline and spill out its bloated guts of nothing but big black rats all over the countryside. Or... The ship did sink, but one dedicated rat was able to get off, and he swam, and he swam across the ocean. 
eating fish the whole way. Big old fish. Getting bigger and bigger. Until finally he sees a drainage pipe leading right into your sewer line. And tonight, you'll hear a... As your closed toilet lid keeps getting pushed up a little bit at a time. But you ignore the sound. You ignore it. You go to bed. And at night, that big black rat finally lifts off the toilet seat cover and crawls out into your bathroom. And then looks at the camera and goes, Story may continue in your bathroom tonight. You know what's funny? (laughs) I was looking. That story took place in Canada. I have another story to take place in Canada. And I thought, I should try to do a Canada-specific episode. I go, I wonder what Canadian... (laughs) I wonder what Canadian cryptids I want. Now, I know about uh, the Wendigo. He's a pretty popular Canadian cryptid. But I was like, I wonder if there's any Canadian cryptids, dude. Canada. First one I came across was a cryptid tree. I was like, oh, does it eat people? No, it's just a tree. It's a yellow tree in the middle of the forest that got cut down. That's one of Canada's cryptids is a yellow tree. It's a, a spruce or something like that that people were like, oh my god, it's like such a rare genetic mutation, they shouldn't exist. And then some environmentalists cut it down to protest industrial logging. And then the tree, then they tried cloning the tree and it never worked. They could never make a copy of the tree. So they took what was left of the tree and turned it into a guitar celebrating Canadian history. And also part of the guitar was Pierre Trudeau's ore and Wayne Gretzky's hockey stick. They cobbled it, all, cobbled it all together to make a guitar. What is wrong with you, Canada? <laughs> that is, Okay, America has Bigfoot. Africa has the Groot Sling. South America has like a thousand of them. It has the Mbunche. We've covered all that stuff. Canada has a yellow tree. <sighs> That's ridiculous, dude. That's my, that might be one of the worst cryptids I've ever come across. Sure, there's photos of it. There's evidence it existed, but... Turned into a guitar with an oar and a hockey stick? Come on. You make my job so difficult, Canada. I was looking for a cool cryptid story. I, I'm sure I'll find one, but that was a bad that was a that was a bad one to come across first. Oh, and here's a little interesting segment. Make that a slightly interesting. The dude who chopped down the tree went missing. Because they were looking for him. Because he was he destroyed this quote unquote national landmark, this mutant tree. That's all you have. Anyways, he um went missing and is presumed dead. They found some of his supplies on like a rocky beach somewhere. So they're wondering the authorities think he was either murdered for cutting the tree down. Someone really liked that tree. A lot of people really like that tree. Or that he just died in an accident. I would assume he most likely just died in an accident. Some people think he faked his death or whatever. Who knows? It's all, I mean, that part's a little intriguing. Cryptid tree. There's man-eating plants out there. There are stories of man-eating plants, and your your tree doesn't even do that. It doesn't move. It doesn't sing. It died and became a guitar that's part ore and part hockey stick. They also took some ballerina's outfit and added that to the guitar or something like that. I couldn't, I couldn't make heads or tails of that. At that point, it was midnight, and I was like, I'm done researching this nonsense. But anyways, let's go ahead Thanks, Canada. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story. We're saying goodbye to Canada. We're saying goodbye to the beach. We are headed to Wisconsin, the cheese state in the United States of America. Every state has a theme. California is the state of, uh, like, yuppies, I guess. That's how it was when I was a kid. It was like a yuppie state. I guess now it's more like hippies and homeless people. But when I was a kid, it was just like yuppies and stuff like that. 
And then Oregon's the state of, like, people who smoke a lot of marijuana. I'm not going to go through all 50 states, but anyways, Wisconsin is the cheese state. That's where all the cheese comes from. So, I think so, right? Yeah, Green Bay Packers, aren't they in Wisconsin? Isn't Green Bay? In- well, anyways, it doesn't, matter. it doesn't matter. We're ignoring all that, but we're eating as much cheese as we can. I hope you're not lactose intolerant as we spend time in Wisconsin. We're specifically going down to a tiny little town in Wisconsin known as Black River Falls. Established in 1839. Today has a population of a little less than 4,000 people, I believe. Tiny little town. It looks similar to Hood River. You're like, that doesn't help me. I've never been to Hood River. But it's how you would imagine a tiny town to be, at least according to the photos that I saw. It's basically just a stretch of, stretch of like one street town, and then it kind of branches off a bit. It's not a major city. It's a tiny little burb. And you had in this town, back in the late 1800s, It was a booming lumber mill town. There was mines in the area. You had your town. You had your people, your houses all around the town. Jutting out into the wilderness. People had farmland. It was a great place to be. We can look at news articles. This is all true, by the way. At the ending, I'm not going to go. And then I've debunked all this stuff. Like this, I've researched this a lot. These stories are all true. A little, some of them may have been a little um, exaggerated, but I'll point those ones out because there are some different encounters and stuff. But all of the stuff I'm about to tell you has been verified from newspaper clippings at the time and then a book that was written about it later and then a movie that was written about it, not written about it, a movie that was made about it later as well. So it was a booming economy for a long time. Well, about 70 years, which is a good amount of time. In the late 80s, as we got closer to the year 1900, things started to fall south. First off, a string of freak winters came. They're like, we're the freaks. They're like punk rock winters, big old mohawks and stuff like that. Coming through. And it would just paralyze the town. And they would get back over it and they'd start doing their duties and stuff like that. And then the next winter, it was just as bad, if not worse. So when you have any sort of outdoor, all of this stuff is outdoor economy. It's trees and going through mines i guess it's kind of indoor but still you don't want to be down there during a blizzard farmlands can't really operate during freezing freezing colds you started to have kind of a mini before the depression i found out research in this there was kind of a mini depression which i guess technically is a recession so the economy wasn't doing that great around in the in the united states around that time to begin with you had this small town that was getting just pummeled by freak weather and I'm going to tell you this, too. I guess I should tell you this, too. This story is really, really dark. Like, I think parts of it are kind of funny and amusing. But it's it, this one, I, I packed it with the rat episode because this is basically like a horror episode. Because both of these stories, you're just like, Ugh. the imagery is really gross. And a lot of bad things happen in the story. But anyway, so you have these freak winners. So if you want to shut the episode off, that's fine. I'll see you tomorrow. Just fair warning. The winners are paralyzing the town. The lumber mills start to shut down, so that hurt a lot of people who were working in lumber mills, obviously. The banks started to leave the area, so now you're getting to a place where there's no way that you can do business at all in this area. It was so bad, trains in the area were offering people one-way free tickets out of the area. If you wanted to, because it was that bad, everyone knew it was that bad. But people who had plied their trade there, who owned land there, who had large families, really any family at all, they decided to stick it out. So not everybody left, but a lot of young single men did. 
figure I'm just going to try my luck somewhere else. But if you had a big family, you don't want to start from zero. You'd rather take your chances in Black River Falls. And that was not a wise decision. From about 1890 to 1910, an entire city descended into madness. And we know about these things because of news article clippings from the time. And a lot of photography took place as well. The town still seemed to try to be normal. And you may go about your day and not encounter anything bizarre. You may go, wake up, go to your unemployment, you don't work, so then you just walk to your next chair and sit down in your living room. You're like, ugh. And then after eight hours of that, and then you go and you sit back down in your living room. And nothing bad happens. But that wasn't always the case. There was a statistic. This is one of the things I don't know exactly how true it is, but it's, it will set the tone for the rest of what we're talking about. That one, So this took place in Jackson County, Wisconsin. One out of every 472 inhabitants were considered insane. A lot of the people of this town were ended up getting shipped off to jails and insane asylums. They simply couldn't deal with what was going on. And you're, so you're thinking, Jason, well, tell me what's going on. Nobody knows why these events happened. There were rumors of devil worship. There were whispers of demons. Some people said they could hear the voices of demons in their heads and it made them do these things. Some people said, eh, it's just the economy was bad. The, it was a bad economy for 20 years and this is how people act up. But let's talk about some of these incidents of why Black River Falls is so famous today. There was a woman named Mary Sweeney. She was a former teacher. Makes sense. No one had jobs. No, I don't think anyone was going to school. Maybe they were. But anyways, former teacher. She leaves her husband, right? And then begins using cocaine. Now, before you're like, oh, dude, some, like, what is she, like 25? Is she super hot and like she's using coke on the weekends? No, no, no. This woman's 60 in her late 60s. She's snorting coke. And one day, she goes, I, I, I gotta break a window. I gotta break a window. I gotta break a window. And she goes and she busts the window. Oh, that felt so good. That's, that felt almost as good as Coke. But here, let me I, let me compare that again to some Coke. She's like, no, Coke's way better. But she doesn't stop there. She ends up doing... So remember, this story takes place in the early 1900s. She ends up doing $50,000 worth of old-time money damage just breaking windows all over town. She was known as not just the Black River Falls window smasher. She was known as the Wisconsin window smasher. There was no one in the entire state who smashed windows as good as she did. Jailed 100 times, eventually shipped off to an insane asylum. That's the last anyone ever heard of her. You're like, Jason, that's not too weird. I smash windows on... No, no. I'm sure you do smash windows on the weekend. It is quite satisfying. But let's move on. Famous opera singer moves into town. Singing through the streets. Oh, it annoys everyone. But... Opera singer says, you know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start as a hobby making homemade Ouija boards. Uh, uh, it's pretty creepy, right? But it doesn't stop there. According to reports, which is a very vague way to say that what I read on the internet, one day this opera singer is walking through the streets of Black River Falls. Just... They can see from behind his shoulders are kind of moving. Like, he's walking away. He's supposed to be, okay, you can tell he's eating from behind, is what I'm trying to say. And then he turns around, and he's just eating chicken. And you're like, that's not scary. I eat chicken all the time. But do you eat live chickens? This guy went crazy from making Ouija boards, and then would just pick up chickens as he's walking down the street and eat them. And you go, Jason, 
What what's the most? Like how many chickens are walking through the street? How many chickens could you possibly find just walking through the street? Ah, let me move on to this next story. There's this guy who had a farm named Sheldon Farms. So I'm pretty sure his name was Sheldon. Either first or last name. Again, so a lot of these reports are old, so we don't have a ton of information on them. But one day he comes out of his house, looks at his farm, 18 headless chickens laying in the ground. Actually, they want to be doing that because they don't have heads. Now, he thinks that Satan worshippers have attacked his farm. That Satan himself has led them here to chop off all these chicken heads. It would seem ritualistic that their heads were chopped off. So what? this is where the insanity starts. What would you do if you came out and you saw 18 chopped off chickens? Heads. You didn't see the heads. You just saw the bodies. You walk out of your head. Well, if you did it, you don't own a farm. You'd be like, where did all these chickens come from? But if you owned a farm and you walked out and you saw a bunch of headless chickens dead, you would go, dag nabbit, them Satanists came back and probably good old hoof foot is back as well. And then go and clean up all the chickens and go about your business. He thought the only way to get rid of the devil was he just burned his property down, just torched it all. So now he's homeless and his business is gone. And and the funniest part is, is that we know who chopped off the chicken heads. Apparently, off in the forest, there was a 50 drifters. So, I mean, basically, that is like a division of homeless people had come through his farm and chopped off the chicken heads and then left and ate them. But here's my question. Why would you leave the chicken? Like, wait a second. Now I'm thinking I might have read this wrong. Maybe they left the heads and took the chickens. But the way I read it was that they're eating chicken heads in the woods. And then one of the homeless people go, hey, I think we got this backwards. We went through all this trouble and we just got a little tiny piece. And they're like, oh, yeah, right. We should have grabbed the whole chicken. I think he came out and found just 18 chicken heads. I think. Anyways, he freaked out. He was he went insane. He thought the devil was there. Burned his whole farm down. Burned his house down. Got rid of it. One woman, she had a sore on her back. She's like, oh, I think I have cancer. I think I have this lump on my back, which is sad. That's a horrible thing to be afraid of. I have a friend right now who has some lumps. He thinks he might have cancer. It's terrifying. But rational person would go to the doctor. Let's say there's not a doctor in town. A rational person would just be like... Oh, maybe I'll get my friend to like cut it out with a knife. I don't know. She covers herself in gasoline and lights it on fire. That is not something you do if you think you have any disease at all. Oh, I have water on the brain. Well, maybe if I boiled it. No, it doesn't. It doesn't work like that. Fire is not a medical tool. Now, all of this. Imagine all of these things. I know it just seems disconnected, like it's all these stories. Imagine you are living in this town right now, and you wake up and you're like. Hey, whatever happened to Betty? And they're like, oh, you didn't hear? She lit herself on fire. What? Yeah, if she thought she had cancer on her back. You'd be like, what is going on? Well, I better go to my job at the farm here. I have 18 chickens I have to feed. And as you're walking across town to go to that farm, you're the one guy with a job. You see the farm on fire. The guy's like, it's okay, it's okay. I destroyed the devil. Peace on earth. And you're like, what? I see homeless people out there eating chickens. And he's like, nah, nah, it's, a, it's an illusion. I killed the devil goes running around. There's one little girl named Lydia Berger. We have a name for some of these people. She was 15. Dad beat her up. That's not funny. Dad beats her up. She goes to stay at the neighbor's house. The neighbors take her in, start taking care of her. She burns their house down and then starts burning houses down all over town until eventually she's caught and arrested. Just nutty stuff. This one actually, my, I, this one is, this is where we start to get really, really dark. 
Those ones were quite playful. This is where, I mean, the woman burned herself alive, but this is where we start to get a little more dark. There was a guy who was named Christ Wold. He was a farmer, and the bank collapsed, and he was going to lose his land. He was unemployed. He had no money. He had nothing. So he decides to take his own life. He decides to take his own life. The way he goes about it, though, again, there are traditional ways. I'm I'm anti-suicide. If you're ever having trouble with suicide or anything like that, you, you need to reach out. I'm against suicide. I guess when you're like at end-of-life type thing, that's different for me. But depression and things like that, things can always get better. I guess I have no segue from that. This guy, I just find this so bizarre that this is his go-to method. I guess it would be quite painless and a little theatrical. But still, it's it would seem like it would be more grim. He basically digs a hole, okay, and then puts his head in the hole. Still attached to him, though. So he's laying down on the ground, and he has his head in the hole. Then he grabs a piece of dynamite and lights it and throws it in the hole with his head and blows up. Now, you could say, well, that's instantaneous, man. Yeah, but I got to look at a wick slowly burning down a dynamite stick that... I mean, like, you would have to look at that. Even if you close your eyes, you would still hear that. It almost seemed to be more terrifying than any other form of suicide. Just, and what if it was a dud, and then you got to go get another stick? Yeah. Horrible. Horrible. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. You have this girl. We have her name, Sarah Smith. She died and is buried in Rosedale Cemetery. Eventually, though, the cemetery gets investigated because they weren't doing stuff right. So they're like, okay, dig up all those graves. You've got to make sure you did the funeral stuff right on those graves. Dig her up. Half her hands are eaten. And they go, oh, yeah, sorry, we buried that one alive. I guess that one's not necessarily, like, insanity. I think that just adds to the overall terrifying circus that was Black River Fall. Again, all of this stuff happened within a 20-year time span, and I'm leaving out the child murders and the wife beatings, because there was a lot of those. I'm like, I'm not even touching those. There was a lot of stories of just people just beating their kids to death, or beating their wives to death. Drown. I'm leaving all that stuff out. Anything. Lydia Berger, the 15-year-old who got beat up and then started burning stuff down, that was the lowest age that I was going to do. And that's just basically because she became some sort of fire-based vigilante. I'm leaving out a ton of stuff. Imagine any one of these events happening in your town over the course of 20 years. People would be like, dude, they buried that woman alive and she bit her hands off. All of this stuff is happening in two decades in one town. And let's let's we got a few more, though, if you'll indulge me. And then we'll kind of dig into what I think's behind it. Drifter. A drifter, a homeless person, is invited over by a family. Nice little family meal, sitting down, puts a little napkin in his shirt, and he goes, oh, that's great, thank you so much, it's such a good meal. And as they're eating, the drifter pulls a gun out, shoots himself in the neck, dies. What? Like, that is the idea of insanity. Like, you have a as normal as you can get in this town. A guy is invited in to have a meal, and he's eating the meal with these people, and something just snaps in him, and then he blows himself away while everyone else is eating. Ruining their meal as well. None of those kids are going to be able to eat spaghetti after that. Like, that is a horrible thing to do. That is insane. There's a difference between, like, depression, which is walking out in the woods and shooting yourself, and then waiting until you have an audience of a family that is feeding you and then killing yourself. And then to really drive the nail home and to wrap it up with this. There was a bar in Black River Falls. Oh, I'm sure there was more than one, but there is this particular bar in Black River Falls. One day, a guy walks into the bar. 
and says, what time is it? And the guy told him the time. And he goes, okay. And then he continued to drink and drink and drink and drink until he died. Now, that is the bartender's fault. The bartender should have cut him off at a certain point. But the bartender also may have just been like, ah, I know what's outside this bar. That same bar, another guy walks in later. Not the same day, although that would be hilarious. I don't know how this is possible, but it's stated he ate cigar butts until he died. I don't know if he came back every day and ate nothing but cigar butts until his stomach became nothing but filter. But apparently that's what happened. He just ate... Again, that is an insane way to kill... That is the definition of insanity. Hey, what are you doing this weekend? I'm eating cigar butts. Oh, same thing you did last weekend. Same thing I do every day, too. And I'm trying to kill myself eating cigar butts. Your cigarette butts. I know that it will eventually kill me, but it just seems like it's so hard to do. Although it's possible that he just shoved them all in his mouth. You're like, Jason, you're just reading out. You spent the whole episode talking about people (laughs) blowing themselves up and dying in horrible ways. What does any of this have to do? Is this just you being morbid? Well, no. Okay, so here's the thing. We've talked about missing towns in the past, like Dublin, Wisconsin, and uh, what was it? Bell Ray, the Bell Ray Surge. Those are really early episodes, really early episodes. But go back and listen to those if you haven't. So, So we've talked about missing towns and things like that in the past. Now, both of those have basically been inconclusive. Did this town exist? Nobody knows. But we have a town that is that with documentation. This town, I'm detailing all these events because this town almost did kill itself. The written records exist because people live there today. And they could be like, oh yeah, let's go through these old newspapers. But you had such rapid self-destruction in this town that the town itself very easily could have just fallen into disrepair. People leave, it wasn't worth it. And it would have been littered with these bodies, these stories, these victims of their own mind. This town would have just disappeared, been swallowed up by the wilderness, and historians would say, we can see references to a town called Black River Falls, and we believe it was in this area, but all that's out there now is a burned down building. So we don't know what happened there. All we know is maybe the mills closed because we saw freak weather during that year, and then everyone left. And they wouldn't have the detail of these stories. So the disappearing town phenomenon could be real. It really could be something that cities have existed. We know it happens worldwide. The question has always been is, does it happen more recently? Could it happen within the past two, three hundred years of a town simply disappearing off the map and being completely forgotten? Towns do get unincorporated and just fall apart and things like that. But like a ghost town, we're talking about a town that people... Forget was ever really there. This town tried really hard to prove that that's possible. This town tried really hard to destroy itself. But I... Economies go bad. Okay? There's bad natural disasters. There are entire countries that suffer through economies far worse than what was happening in Black River Falls. I believe there has to be another component to this. The madness, the insanity... And the sheer violence that took place over these 20 years in this one town is staggering. There has to be something else there. I get it. The human condition, depression, bleakness, hopelessness may drive a man crazy. May drive a woman to drown her children. But come on. I mean, like, this stuff is beyond the pale. 
It all started with rumors that those freak winters were brought by satanic worship, by demons. It all started after that first freak winter when people believed that something paranormal was happening in that town. Is it possible that the stories of Satan worshiping was true? Is it possible that some sort of curse was put on this town? If so, why? Who did it? But more importantly, could it happen again today? Could there be a town somewhere out there, picturesque, peaceful, that is right now on the verge of becoming the next Black River Falls? DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.